Hey, uh, if you have your Bibles, turn with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. If you find your way there to Matthew 5, verse 6, stand with me this morning, if you will, out of reverence and respect to the reading of God's holy word. Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Let's pray. Father, may you bless the reading of your holy word, Father. Lord, we realize, Lord, that you shared with us what it truly looks like to be a follower of you. Father, we thank you, Lord, for Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you that he came, he lived, he showed us these things, preached this incredible, masterful sermon, Father, and that he gave himself upon that cross. Father, we thank you now once again that he rose from the grave three days later, Father, and he lives in heaven today. Father, bless our time, Father. I pray, too, for each one of us, Father. That even in these few first moments, Father, that we remove the distractions from our minds, the business of our minds, Father, and we have one singular focus, and that would be you, Father, to hear your word. And, Father, we realize, Lord, the greatest form of worship, Father, is to hear your word and obey. Father, we love you, and we thank you for loving us. As we pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Every doctor out there in this world today would tell you that uh, your appetite is a very, very great indicator of your health. If you've got a good appetite, typically you've got good health. My daughter at uh, the Manor uh, Independent Living Home down there where my mother's at, 90 years old, my mother's gained some weight. My daughter says that's a good sign because a lot of people lose weight. Conversely, though, the loss of appetite is an indicator typically that you've got a problem health-wise. If I'm not eating right, you may have seen it before too. Maybe you've had a very ill loved one. They just don't feel like eating. Maybe a, a very ill elder person in your life, a mother or father, and they're not eating very well either. The doctor would tell you that's a problem. You need to eat to keep up your nourishment. Jesus Christ tells us in this beatitude, if you have the right attitude for the right things, you're going to see amazing things. If you have the right appetite for the right things, you're going to see amazing things because of God. We all know what it means to be hungry, but do we really? I don't know about you, but I've heard people say in, uh, in the afternoon they, haven't, they missed lunch and at dinner time, I'm starving, I'm starving. Well, not really. You know, it's a mental thing, though. In America, we're kind of used to eating based on our watch. Hey, it's lunchtime. I need to go find some lunch. Am I really hungry? Well, not really because I had a big breakfast or... Maybe we, it's 6 o'clock and it's dinner time. I don't really need that not much dinner, though, because I ate late at 2 o'clock this afternoon. But there's people around the world that know what true hunger is. They really, really know what hunger is. Amy and I have been in a number of countries, and the two that came to mind as I was thinking about this is Nicaragua and Uganda. And both those nations, children in those nations feel blessed if they get one meal a day. It's more like getting a one meal every other day. Every once in a while, they get a meal. Many people in those third world nations realize their whole existence is based on them finding food each day or figuring out how they're going to get their next meal or what do I need to do to get those, that next meal. Nutrition. You know, if we think about what Jesus Christ is talking about here, blessed are those who hunger and thirst, he's talking about a strong desire. He's talking about a passionate pursuit. He's saying, I want you to be starving. I want you to be famished for righteousness. You know, as we talked about the other Beatitudes, and we'll get into those in just a second here, they seem to be converse to normal thinking. What do you mean I'm going to be blessed if I'm famished? Really? 
I'm going to be blessed if I'm starving. He says, absolutely. You need to have an unending, unquenchable thirst for my righteousness, for Jesus Christ. Psalms 42.1 says this, As a deer pants for water in the brook, so my soul pants for you, O God. In Psalm 63, it says this, O God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Over and over and over in the Bible, we see the heroes of the Bible. What? They got a hunger and a thirst for God. They got an unquenchable desire for God. They have a fire in their belly. Remember old Jeremiah chapter 20? Jeremiah had been beaten, beaten and bruised. He'd, he'd, he'd faced conflict after conflict, and nobody was listening to the word of the Lord. I mean, he was discouraged. He said, I'm just going to quit. I'm no longer going to say anything about God. I'm, I'm facing none. God, you told me to do this, but I can't do it. And then he pondered for a second. He said, uh, but there was a fire burning in my bones, and I couldn't quit even if I wanted to. There needs to be that kind of fire inside you and I for God's word, for his righteousness. Over and over we see the heroes of their faith. I'm afraid, just like I mentioned in the physical realm, because when we don't want to eat, because we lose our appetite, we're not real well. I believe the reason that so many people in the church today experience so little of God is because they're just not hungry enough. They're not hungry enough. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. We're talking about spiritual famishments. We're talking about being spiritually desperate for food. I don't know many of you have ridden on a train lately. had a couple of friends tell me they went on a train trip. up, uh, And we got some nice trains, Amway, Am- Amtrak, and things up and down the... Amway, where'd that come from? Amtrak, up and down the railroad system here on the East Coast. And they got them throughout the nation. My, fa- my grandfather worked on the, uh, the, the rail system out in Wisconsin when he was younger. But they talk about the food on a the train. They said it's unbelievably expensive. You know, it's expensive when we go to a ballpark. It's pretty expensive there. Go to a baseball game or a football game or... But they said the food on the train is out of control as far as expense. It's so expensive. He said, they, I walked back there to get some food and saw how expensive it was. And I said, no thanks. I'm not going to pay $15 for a hot dog or $7 for a soda or $5 for a bag of chips. He quoted these figures to me. Unbelievable prices on a train. Well, why can they, char- why can they charge that much money on a train for that food? Because you can't get anywhere else. You can't get off that train and go get a hot dog at the next stop there. You can if the train stops and you get off the train for good. But they got kind of a captive audience. But listen very carefully. If you were to be hungry enough on that train, you'd pay the price to eat. Whatever it was, I'm famished. I have not eaten in six days and I'm starving. Really starving. Food and water is essential for yours and my survival. It determines our vitality determines our strength, determines our energy. We don't have any of those things without food and water. We'll die without food and water. I looked up these facts about water just to kind of give you an insight here. Many of you probably know this. You're a lot smarter in the medical realm than I am, but the human body is composed of about two-thirds water. I didn't know this. The body absorbs cold water a lot faster than does hot water. If you lose 2% of your body content, water content, your energy is going to decrease 20%. You lose 2% of your body, your energy decreases 20%. If you lose 10% of your body content, water content, you can't walk, 10%. If you lose 
of your body water content, you'll die. 10% you can't walk, 20% you'll die. There's no life without food and water. What they say about the physical, don't miss this, watch this. What they say about the physical is the same thing that Jesus Christ is saying here about the spiritual. There is no life without Jesus Christ in the spiritual realm. There is no abundant life that Jesus Christ promised without being hungry and thirsty for the spiritual of righteousness. God has given us an incredible gift there. I think many of us enjoy this after Sunday service. We like to go home and have a nice dinner. Sometimes we go to great lengths to plan a dinner. Sometimes you go to a friend's house and have a nice dinner. Or maybe go out to a restaurant and have a nice dinner after church service on Sunday. Man, it's, it's a great experience just to have that fellowship and sit around that table and have a nice feast. And afterward, you're saying, hmm, that sure was good. Boy, that was a great lunch today. Man, it was just delicious. Well, when we finish that lunch on Sunday, we don't say, okay, man, this is so delicious and I'm so content with that. We don't need to do lunch until next Sunday. We don't need to have another meal until next Sunday. I don't need to eat on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday or Friday or Saturday or Sunday, but I'll go back after church next Sunday and have a nice lunch, and that'll get me for the week. We know that's not the way it works. It doesn't work that way. But how many times in the church realm we get our, get our little nutrition, we get a little fill-up on Sunday morning, and, and we pretty much say, well, that's, I'm good till next Sunday. That's what Jesus Christ is talking about here. He says He wants us to live being famished for Him. He wants us to wake up in the morning hungry for Him. Go to bed at night thinking, man, I need a little bit more of Him before I go to sleep tonight. I don't know about you, and you can probably tell by my body style that uh, I like those evening snacks after dinner. You know, what do we have for a snack, Amy? I've kind of tried to change my choices here. It's no longer a big bowl of ice cream. Now it's a piece of fruit or something. But most of us kind of like that. You know, it's been about three hours from dinner. I'm getting ready to go to bed in now about a half hour, hour. I need a little snack now. Well, let me tell you this part, too. Many times you and I like to nibble. Many times we like to graze. Many times we don't really sit down for that full meal. In fact, I don't know if you've been like this, and unfortunately Amy and I have been like this. We're out there on, the, on, the, uh, on Broad Street or somewhere in the downtown area and say, man, I'm kind of hungry. What do you want to go get something to eat? Let's go to Krispy Kreme Donuts. Well, <laughs> hey, Krispy Kreme Donuts are great. I know, you know that. And you know what we do every time we drive by that place? Not intending to stop. But if we see that hotline on, whoa, wait a minute, so now I'm at the hotline's on. God does not intend for you and I to be hungry and thirsty by nibbling or by eating a dozen donuts. He wants us to get the real thing, okay? And too many times we nibble. We get a little nibble in Sunday school class. We get a little nibble at church service, and that's pretty much it for the week. Maybe in the middle of the week we have a nice little prayer time with our family around the dinner table. But we nibble. When you and I were born, God gave you and I a physical appetite. What happened when we became followers of Jesus Christ and accepted Jesus Christ? He gave us an appetite for Him, for spiritual things. What are we doing to feed it? Well, you may be saying, well, that makes sense, Pastor. Well, what's on God's menu? Let me tell you what's on God's menu. Jesus Christ. That's what's on His menu. He wants you to seek after Jesus Christ with all that you have. Remember what Jesus said about being the bread of life? John chapter 6 says this, And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall... Never hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. And Jesus Christ is not talking about coming to him one time and you never thirst again. He's saying you need to get your sustenance daily, hourly from me. Then Jesus, remember the woman at the well? Samaritan woman came and a Jew asked her for a drink from the well. She questioned that. 
Then Jesus goes on to describe this. Find this in John chapter 4. Jesus answered her and said, Whoever drinks of this water will, will thirst again. He's talking about the well water. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Jesus Christ is righteousness. Well, what is righteousness? Righteousness is right standing before God. We don't have righteousness on our own before God Almighty. The only way that we get right standing in front of God is through Jesus Christ. And realizing that we have life in God now because of Jesus Christ. He gave us right standing. He gives us righteousness. Imputes it to it. We're going to talk about that in a second as well. Having a strong desire or a passionate pursuit. Being hungry and thirsty for God's word. You remember in Mark 5, we read the story about the woman that had the blood disease. For 12 years, it said. 12 years could not find anything to solve that problem. She carried this horrible, horrible disease for all these years. Just a miserable, miserable person. She tried everything. I mean, she went to all kinds of doctors and tried everything to get healing there. You know, it would have been very logical for her to just quit. Nothing's going to happen here. I'm just going to quit. She tried everything. But then she heard that Jesus Christ was coming to town. Capernaum was where it was at. She was desperate for Jesus Christ. I'm talking she was starving for Jesus Christ. She was famished for Jesus Christ. She was hungry and thirsty for what God might be able to do for her through Jesus Christ. She had that strong desire and the passionate pursuit. She not only, she touched his garment. Remember what he said? He said, who touched me? And he's surrounded by all these people. The apostles were kind of confused. What do you mean who touched you? He says, no, who touched me? He realized that there was not an accidental touch and not just a high five or, hey, good to see Jesus. There was somebody that was desperate for Jesus Christ. Are you desperate for Jesus Christ? Have you had those moments in your life when you're desperate for Jesus Christ? I need Jesus Christ. I'm hungry and thirsty for Jesus Christ because I have an issue right now. I have 12 years of this or 15 years of this or I have this situation going, I am desperate for Jesus Christ. I need him. She not only saw relief, you know what she saw? She saw total victory. She touched the hem of his garment of all things. Didn't even touch him, it says. Touched the hem of his garment. She saw total victory. Complete healing. She had a brand new life. Watch this. When we get serious about getting hungry and thirsty for God... You know what happens? A new life. We got a life no longer feeling like we're the victim. We have a life that we feel like we're victors. We have fulfillment in our life. We have a complete life. Because why? Because I have Jesus Christ not right now where he belongs. He's no longer on the peripheral. He's no longer a once a week trip to the donut shop. Jesus Christ is right where he belongs in our life. Jesus Christ gives miracles. Her hunger for Jesus Christ that day brought a complete miracle into her life. I've seen it in this church body. I've seen it in your life. I've had it in my life. Where I've got desperate for God, and you know what? God shows up. I no longer have to sit on the peripheral and wonder what's going to happen here. What's next? God shows up and shows me. God does a miracle. Her faith and her hunger made Jesus Christ move on her behalf. God desires to answer prayers. God has promised you and I in His Holy Word a number of times that nothing is impossible with God, that all things are possible with God. God desires to do great things. You know what God's waiting for, though? 
God's waiting for you to get as serious about Him as He is about you. And I'm not just pointing at you, I'm talking to myself too. But God has this incredible plan for your life. God has a desire to, to do supernatural things in your life. Why? So you can become a supernatural testimony to Him. Look what God did in my life. Look at who God is in my life. I was like this, but now I'm like this. And over and over we see that in other people's lives. I was this way before I got saved, and I got saved, and now I'm completely new. I'm completely different. I'm not the same person I used to be because of Jesus Christ. At our deepest soul level as individuals, I know all of us have our moments where we think, you know, is this as good as it gets? Is this all there is? Is there anything else out in this life? There's more to life, i got news for you, than just getting up in the morning and eating your breakfast and running out the door and getting your car and making your way to work and working all day and coming home at night and sitting down for a few minutes and having dinner and maybe watching TV or chat with your family for a few minutes and go back to bed. Is that really all there is? No. Unfortunately, though, too many lives, including Christian lives, boil down to living in an unsatisfied satisfaction. In unsatisfied satisfaction. Okay, I'm satisfied for a minute. Man, I just ate those six donuts. I'm, I'm good to go. Doesn't last very long. I don't know about you two. I think most people have this complaint about Chinese food. Man, it was a good dinner, but 15 minutes later, you're hungry again. It's just, a, it's just, a, it's too easy for you and I to live a life of unsatisfied satisfaction. And we've all had these experiences. You go to a relatively nice restaurant that has a menu. You walk in, the little hostess or host meets you and takes you to the table and says, here's your menu, sir, and let me tell you about the specials tonight so you get kind of introduced to it. But then you begin, you're already hungry, but then you open up that menu and begin getting really hungry. Man, look at these. Man, there's so many things I'd like to have. I'd like to have one of each of these. Or, you know, this, this menu looks delicious. Love to have some of this. Yum, yum, yum. And before you kind of make your decision, up comes this person that says, hey, let me tell you more about the menu. Let me explain the menu to you. And so they go on and explain the specials to you again, and they, they talk about the menu, and these are kind of some of my favorites here, and let me talk about all these things down here. And then, you know, many times they have a Q&A period, a question and answer period. Do you have any questions about the menu? Ask your questions. You know, really research this menu out. So can you imagine it for just a moment? You go in that restaurant, and you get the menu, and you look at it, and then somebody comes up and presents it to you, and then you have a nice question and answer period, and then you look at all these things, you look at there, and that, now you bow your head and you say, Amen. And you get up and walk out of the restaurant. That's not why you went to the restaurant. That's not why you went there. You didn't go there just to study the menu and go home. We don't need to come to church once a week and figure that's all I need to do to partake of what God's talking about here. God's talking about you and I getting about serious about wanting to have His Word be who I am, to live His Word, to understand His Word, to understand who He is, understand God's character. Know who God is, what He's all about here. That we might have this relationship that is unending. Let me ask you this. Probably have half and half. You don't need to raise your hand. I don't want you to have to confess today. But uh, when do you fill up your gas tank in your car or your truck? It's pretty much when it's about uh, the needle just gets a little bit left of the center line. Or do you kind of wait till that little light comes on? Hey, have you figured out, you know? When it gets to zero miles left, I actually got ten miles left, you know, because I found out the hard way. But when, when, do, you find, when do you fill your tank up in your gas car? Uh, I, I, I will confess this to you. I've, I've waited too long a couple times in my life. One time when my wife was pregnant, and it was like 90 degrees outside in July. Uh, 
Ran out of gas. Horrible. But when do you fill your gas tank up? Do I kind of get filled up and then kind of go for a while before I get filled back up with God? You know what burdens my heart for folks that don't come to church? And they say, you don't really need to go to church. Well, okay. If you don't need to come to church, are you still hungry and thirsty for God's Word? Are you filling up on your own every day? Are you getting into your Word? Are you praying? Are you truly understanding who God is day to day, growing in that? Or how about this? How about if you pull in to fill up your gas tank? And you pull up that tank that had that, uh, that, that dispenser there that had both a green handle but also a blue one. The blue one's for gas, and you're driving an unlighted car, but the green one's for diesel. So you're just having to flip the diesel thing up and pull the diesel thing out and start filling diesel into your tank. Well, I think most of you realize that I'm not going to get very far putting diesel in an unlighted car. In fact, I'd be surprised if you got a parking lot. Too many times, you know, the, the reason that diesel's wrong for an unleaded car, it was not manufactured to run on diesel fuel. It was manufactured to run on unleaded fuel. Well, guess what? You and I are not manufactured to run on all the stuff many times we put into us to try to get life, joy, happiness, contentment, fulfillment. You know what? We are manufactured to be filled with one thing. Is God. I'm here to tell you, you may operate in this world, but you're never going to be running well. You're never going to run at optimum level. You're going to miss what God truly has for you when we desire to put other things into us than what God has said that we need to have in us. One more thought for you here. I think most of you know that Amy and I have two beautiful little grandchildren. And so she and I have been many years since we've been operating with these things. But um, most recently with our two grandchildren, we've come to operate and know, rekindle our friendship and relationship with pacifiers. You guys know what a pacifier is, right? And, uh, you know, our, our kids get, uh, our grandchildren, we had the experience of babysitting them, they get, get a little fidgety. So what do we start looking for? The pacifier. Give them a pacifier. And, well, you know what? It's great. These kids aren't real smart yet, but they are smart. They're not stupid for sure. So you can give them the pacifier and they're content for a few minutes. You know, but they start sucking on that thing. They're young, but they realize, realize that there's no milk coming out of this pacifier. You know, this is fake food. Fake food. I don't want fake food in my life. I want the real thing. So before long, that pacifier comes out and what happens? Wow, wow. They're looking for that bottle or they're looking for the mom to take them someplace private. They don't want fake food. They don't want the pacifier. Listen very, listen very closely to this. We don't want fake food either when we're looking for hunger and thirst for righteousness. We need the real thing. We need God to feed us and to feed into us. How do we live a satisfied life? Last thought here for a minute. We need to work out our salvation according to what Paul tells the Philippians with fear and trembling. You know what Jesus Christ did for us when he died upon that cross? He took our sins upon him. He gave us forgiveness of sin. He imputed, I mentioned that a minute ago, he imputed righteousness through that. What does that mean? He gave us righteousness. By grace, he gave us righteous standing in front of God. He gave us righteousness. 
The essence is here that when God looks at us, He doesn't see our righteousness. There is nothing righteous about us. The only thing righteous about you and I is Jesus Christ. So when God looks down at Gary here, He's seeing Jesus Christ because I have Him as my Lord and Savior. He is my advocate. But what God is looking for you and I to do is to live in such a way as begin growing in righteousness. Just because we're saved does not give us a free ticket and a free pass to sin as much as we want. It talks about that in Romans 6. You and I have been given righteous standing before God. What Paul was telling the Philippian church is you need to work out your salvation. Work out what you have there in Jesus Christ. Come to understand these things. If we are truly hungry and thirsty for righteousness, we're going to want to replace sin with righteousness. We're going to want to replace disobedience with obedience. We're going to walk a life that truly brings glory to God. Why? Because I want to line up with my purpose. I want to line up with God, why God saved me. I want to line up with why I'm here. I want to line up in such a way as that it draws other people to Jesus Christ. How is it that you can be like this? Well, I'm thank, thankfully asked. It's because of Jesus Christ. How come that you have such a joy-filled marriage? Well, it's because of Jesus Christ. I'm thankful you asked. God desires for us to live in righteousness, to be hungry and thirsty for righteousness, because in living that way, people are going to see that we're hungry for something way beyond and way out of this world. We're not hungry for these things to go to a bar on Friday night. We're not hungry to do these things and that things. We're hungry for God. And they say, how did you get that way? Well, I'm glad you asked. God desires for you and I to have that. If you want to get hungry and thirsty, you know what you need to do? Think about it in the physical realm for a minute. You know, sometimes you may walk into your kitchen home and mom's cooking or somebody's cooking in there. and You're a little bit hungry, but you start smelling that good cooking. And you realize, man, man, that smells great. I'm really hungry now. I, want, I can't wait to try that. That smells delicious. Thanksgiving Day, all those odors, all those, not odors, all those aromas, that good smelling in your, <laughs> sorry, it smells delicious at our house. All these wonderful smells, and I'm, I'm hungry, but now I'm really hungry, man. I can't wait to bite into this and taste this. It looks so good. It, it, it makes us even more hungry. Listen very carefully. If you want to become more hungry and thirsty for righteousness, begin hanging out with people that understand it as well. Hang out where it smells good. Hang out where it is good. Where you can see righteousness in somebody else's life. I want to hang out with them. I'll tell you another way to do this. A lot of times with basically healthy people that are having a problem with their appetite, you know what they do sometimes in the hospital? They force feed them. They put up a little intravenous thing into their arm here and they begin feeding them things just to keep them alive and give them nutrition and they fill it in through liquids here just to keep them strong until they can get healthy again. Well, that may be the case as well. Maybe you need to force yourself to get in the path of righteousness. Force yourself to get in the path of God's transforming power that you might come to know the importance and the beauty of God's holy word, what God wants to do in you. Finish with this story. Remember the prodigal son. The prodigal son was hungry and thirsty for all the wrong stuff. Man, he wanted to go off to the big city. He wanted to get his inheritance. He got a third of the inheritance from his dad there. said, Dad, I want to go away. Would you give it to me? His dad said, okay. Didn't want him to do that, but he said, okay. So he went and took all those things. Took all the things that his father gave him. Went long ways away to the big city and squandered all those things on, on pleasure, on power, on fame, on himself. Woke up one day and realized I'm living in a pig pen here. I'm eating what the pigs eat. I love what the Bible says. He says he came to himself. 
He came to himself. He realized that even my dad's servants live better than I do. Even the guys that work for my dad, they eat better than I do, and they sleep better than I do, and they don't, they're not sleeping in pig pens like I'm here. He came to himself. What may, may, meant that he, he came to who God really made him to be. He came to realize, I'm not meant for this life. I'm meant for something better. He says he made his way home, and his father saw him coming from afar off and ran out and greeted him, wrapped his arms around him. That prodigal son came to a point when he was bankrupt in every way, especially in sin. He realized he'd sinned against his father. He was hungry. He wanted to go home. He was able to see more clearly. And so he returned home to the open arms and the joyous celebration of his dad welcoming his son home. I'm here to tell you. Unfortunately, there's too many people that know Jesus Christ, I believe, their Savior, but they're still happy living a faraway land. They're still happy living kind of far away from God. God's saying, come home. Come home. I want you to come home. I don't want you being out there. It's very easy to chase after the right things. It's very easy to be, be hungry and thirsty for the wrong things. It's more difficult. It's a more narrow road, the Bible will tell us, to be hungry and thirsty for righteousness and for God. It's narrow. Not a whole lot of people doing it. Less now, probably than a long, long time, if not ever. Hungry and thirsty for God. The question for you and I this morning, am I hungry and thirsty for God? Am I truly hungry and famished for God?